1: Chum-ma. No over the law. 18 plus Terms and conditions apply See website for details.
0: It is MMA strategy show right here on awesomo.com. I am Jason Ford. That is the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, how are you doing on this uh Thursday afternoon?
1: Yeah, you know, my time's all messed up and uh, you know, uh, excited to break down this big card i mean this is a a larger card than what we've been dealing with and uh some changes some fights getting you know rebooked and then uh you know romanov's finally here jason i get to f- finally see my boy fight the ufc
0: yeah we're we were talking a little earlier you're like oh by the way we have a of course we do have already have some changes card so uh all right pete let's just start here we we know we already have one <laughs> fighter off the card i'm still saying one and a half, under over
1: over now you just smash the over you don't even think about it
0: yeah like at this point with, with these vegas cards you just this is the thing about dfs and these these fight night cards in vegas is if you are not playing to be around your phone around your computer 20 minutes before lock you're, you're playing with fire and playing MMA DFS right now. That's just being yeah. honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an NBA slate, essentially. And uh, you get, you know, little Anthony Davis, little uh, injury news right before. And, and uh, you have to make some adjustments. But, um, you know, since the quarantine, we've really had to deal with a lot of these, you know, short notice replacements and um, people missing weight or some just odd circumstances.
0: Yeah, man. And of course, uh, you know, you, you text me cause I've been in meetings all morning. You text me Frank Camacho is out of his fight against Brock Weaver. Frank was actually probably gonna be a guy that I was going to target a little bit. So now Jalen Turner is going to be stepping. That's not been officially announced by the UFC, but all plans, by the way, Jalen Turner and Frank Camacho are both represented by the same fighter, So I'm sure. Uh, Jason House had a little advanced notice that Frank was going to be not be able to call, pull out his card. So he gets another one of his clients uh, in here. Of course, Jalen was supposed to fight last week. That was the guy that I know you were high on that. And then uh, your boy Romanoff is now in here taking on Martinez. Uh, so those two fights, we do not have DraftKings lines on. We don't even have betting lines out on those fights. So that is something to kind of. Pay attention to. We'll see when DraftKings and FanDuel ends up putting out those lines on that one. But yeah, man, it's this is what makes uh, DFS really tough right now. So, uh, But of course, be sure to smash that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. We got colors for you all day long for the start of the NFL season. Plus, we got MLB live before lock. We got NBA live before lock. So a ton of content today here at awesomeo.com, but the main event, Michelle Watterson, Angela Hill was not supposed to be uh, initially the main event for this fight car. But uh with Glove Teixeira uh, being pulled from this fight car due to COVID, I oh, two weeks ago, so it's taking on Tiago Santos. That fight is now, I want to say, October the 1st. So this one got bumped up, and the UFC asked both of them, they said, Hey, you, you want to do five rounds? They're like, Sure. And we were talking on the phone a little earlier for the show. Now, this is the, your 8,200, 8,000 matchup. Uh, Angela Hill is the 8200 matchup, but we were talking about this of if your thought process is this fight's going 25 minutes to me, it's all about Angela Hill. But if you think Michelle Waterson can use her grappling, get this fight to the ground and get the stoppage, man, there is some value with Michelle Waterson on all platforms.
1: Yeah, it's a very, you know, interesting matchup here. Uh, Michelle Watterson five and four in the UFC, Angela Hill seven and eight in UFC. Angela Hill's kinda on the up in her career. She's kinda started to get some momentum behind her and looking better than ever. Whereas Michelle Watterson is starting to slip, um, you know, and not really materialize, you know, like into the star that the UFC thought that they had. Um you know, for Waterson to really have an advantage in this fight, she needs to take the fight to the ground, and I think that's going to be a little difficult facing Angela Hill, who is definitely the volume side in this fight. Angela Hill throws at an amazing clip of 5.7 strikes per minute. Um, she's just her activity level is through the roof. It's crazy. Now, if she can, you know, maintain that pace for five rounds, you definitely like her potential at 8,200. She could break the slate with, you know, the amount of significant strikes landed. Um, I do, I do like Michelle Waterson though at 8,000 as a value play. So I will have my shares for both because I think Michelle Waterson will look to get this done early and, and try to, you know, take Angela Hill down and work towards a submission because Michelle Waterson really has a great head and arm throw and uh with a fighter like Angela Hill who enjoys the clinch so much that head and arm throw is going to be there, you know, plenty of times because uh whenever you have a Thai fighter looking for a, a Muay Thai plum on, you know, to grab a hold of your neck and control you for knees and elbows, all you have to do is wrap around that head and throw that head and arm throw. So uh if Michelle Waterson is smart and she's out of a great camp, that's definitely the strategy.
0: You know, in in terms of significant strikes, to me, I much favor Angela Hill in that aspect. You know, if you go back to the last time we saw Michelle Waterson in a 25-man fight against Ioanni N. Uh, basically, uh, 11 months ago, 11, 11, 10 months ago, uh, the fight card that was here in my hometown of Tampa. She only landed 58 significant strikes. That's not exactly the volume you're going to look for, particularly when you're thinking, when you're talking about Joanna I mean, look, Joanna wants to keep it on the feet, just like Angela Hill wants to keep it on the feet. So that that's where, like, I have a little bit of, of, of concern of michelle watterson look am i going to have shares of michelle watterson of course i am but if this fight's a 25 minute fight and angela hill is able to keep it on the feet i don't know how much i really like michelle watterson in this
1: spot yeah i don't blame you and uh, the one thing that you have to you know bring into consideration is how taxing takedowns are on your cardio so like if uh, michelle watterson lands a few takedowns um, you know, that could zap the energy of a- Angela Hill. And even though she has an amazing gas tank, no matter how good shape you're in, if, if you're going from striking to grappling exchanges, you're going to get fatigued. That's just the reality of it. Um, you know, Angela Hill, if I, if I look at her resume, I mean, obviously the split decision loss to Claudia Cadelia that she arguably won. A lot of MMA media thought that she won that fight. Um, Loma Luke Bumi, Hannah Cyphers, uh, Ariana Carnalosi, not the top of the division by any means, whereas uh, Michelle Watterson just dropped the split to Carla Sparza, Joanna Jacek, Carolina Kovalevich, Felice Herrick, Courtney Casey. So I do think that even though Michelle Watterson has been slipping of late, she has been fighting the better opposition. Um, so I, I think that the ownership is going to come in pretty heavy on Angela Hill, and a lot of people might just be writing off Michelle Watterson.
0: Yeah. It's and look, it's a very noble fight for both of these, these ladies, you know, one of the things that kind of did jump out to me, I guess I just thought that Angela Hill was a much younger fighter than Michelle Watterson for whatever reason. Yeah. Michelle, they're only separated by six days in age.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, they, they both had a wealth of experience. I mean, 25 fights from Michelle Watterson, 20 for Angela Hill. So, I mean, it's a very great match. It's a, it's a nice matchup, but, uh, Definitely not the main event we were anticipating.
0: Uh, Joe, I appreciate you in the donation. Super chat, he goes, I've seen some of the card. Here comes Joe's favorite question. Who is the lock of the night? I'm going with worthy by finish. Uh, Worthy by finish would not be a lock of the night for me. Um, If I was going to go a lock of the night, I probably have the most confidence mike rodriguez
1: yeah i'm saying my boy romanov i'm i'm sticking to it we'll get to him but there are some definite fights that i feel comfortable about and there are plenty of fights that i do not feel comfortable about and i don't have a problem avoiding
0: uh the co-main event is Osman azatar versus akama worthy of course this fight was supposed to take place last week i moved to this fight card co-main event spot here i believe in terms of dfs this is a fight you must roster. As I think whoever wins in this fight, it is going to be a good score. I think there's value on, on Azatar. I think there's also value in Kama Worthy. Two different reasonings in terms of that. You know, when I talked to Kama Worthy about uh, three, three and a half weeks ago, uh, one of the things I said I was like, you know, because, I, you know, I was like, what's your general thoughts about Azatar? And just to kind of paraphrase what he said, he's like, look, this guy brings the heat, and he's going to be aggressive. And I think in the first round, and, and this is a thing of we have seen throughout his mixed martial arts career, Worthy will get into firefights. And look, Worthy has done great for me in the UFC. He's he's done very well for me. 2-0 in the UFC, both underdog spots. He's not an underdog in this spot. Uh, you know, Look, I think Aztar wants to have a striking matchup. I think if Azatar wins, it's going to be in the first round, Pete. But I think the longer this fight goes, I do believe it does favor Worthy. What's gets your take?
1: Yeah, so this is definitely an interesting matchup and a fight that I will be smashing my exposure to because I think that the fight's going to end. And this is this has GPP Optimal written all over it. I really think that the winner of this fight will be a part of the GPP Optimal lineup. Um, you know, you mentioned Common Worthy has a 75% finish rate um, in the UFC's 2-0, has looked better than ever, and really at 155 pounds, you might be seeing the true potential of this kid. And, you know, he used to fight at 145 pounds and flip flop between divisions. And, uh, you know, he suffered a lot of losses and a lot of knockout losses. So that's kind of why I faded them in the past because I've seen him fight regionally and I've seen him finished and knocked out pretty brutally regionally. Um, going up against a, a knockout artist who's 12-0 in Azatar, who has a 92% finish rate? This is a very dangerous matchup because you know you can only get away with engaging in firefights so many times, and then uh you know your Achilles heel will, will ultimately start to show. And Kama Worthy's striking defense, it's it's a little lacking, and it's because of his aggressiveness. When he's over aggressive, he he leaves himself open. So I will have my exposure here to Azatar at 7700 but I'm not avoiding Kama worthy because the guy since he's made it into the UFC has been you know he's been incredible. I think that uh, you know I do think that a shot lands for Azatar and he puts away Comma worthy but if you tell me that you know Comma worthy you know as the fight goes on works towards a submission or a late finish I wouldn't be surprised because I agree with you the, uh, the UFC experience, the overall fight experience, 22 fights versus 12 fights, I think will start to show as the fight goes on. So uh, have your exposure to this fight. And uh, Azatar, as, as a 7K option, is definitely someone to circle.
0: By the way, be sure to hit that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. If you're in the chat, you'll see Joey's in there right now letting you know. We're going to be giving away a free MMA weekly pass here very soon right there in the chat, so be sure to uh, hit that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. Uh Lee asked uh, about comma worthy on FanDuel. He's fifteen dollars on FanDuel. Uh yes. I like I think that is a very good spot on FanDuel. You know, as I, I look throughout the FanDuel prices I'm looking at value plays. Um yeah, Coma Worthy is definitely gonna be a value play at fifteen dollars for me.
1: Yeah, I always think it's interesting when uh you know the-, the DraftKings salaries and FanDuel salaries don't match up and you see one site favoring the other. And I think it goes to show you how close this fight really is. And it's a flip of a coin of who lands the first shot. But um, give me the guy that hasn't been knocked out six times. uh, And uh, despite us only seeing one fight in the UFC, I I do like Azatar slightly a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... But to me, I think Azatar, it's... I just feel like if it gets out of the first round... By by the way, fight goes the distance. Didn't mention this on Michelle Watterson and Angela Hill. That is minus 290 on the betting lines. Now, by the way, if you want to see the betting lines for this fight, be sure to go to awesomeote.com right there at the top of the page. Odd shopper to see what the odds are for these fights. Azatar worthy, plus 195. So what's that tell you what the odd makers think?
1: Yeah, I agree with it. And um, I think somebody's getting finished. I really do. I think it's a, a fight to target.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a fight that I am going to target. Up next, we're going to talk about a female matchup, Andrea Lee and Roxanne Montefiore. Uh, Andrea Lee, 8900 on DK, 7300 for Roxanne. If you want some value on Roxanne on FanDuel, $9.
1: Yeah, the disrespect to Roxanne Montefiore is crazy, and I get it. The girl has 17 losses, but we have to really take that experience into consideration. I mean, 41 fights is 41 fights jason and uh she's fought the who's who as far as women's mma um you know and modafari did beat andrea lee what six years ago so i know that was a split decision and they're they're not the same fighters that they were and i it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kinda like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, BGW. Void avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, eighteen plus. I would say that Moderfairy has better striking now than she ever has, and I know it's really not. At Andrea Lee's level, but it's a hell of a lot better than what it was. And, um, you know, Roxanne Modafferi is always a threat to take opponents down and to hunt submissions. And I think that's why I'm looking at her for a few of my lineups. Now, should Andrea Lee six years from that split decision loss to Roxanne Modafferi, go out there and get it done? She should. Like, she's better now. She has better takedown defense now, better striking. But Roxanne... Always seems to find a way to get the fight to the ground, whether she gets put on her back and then sweeps. The girl has amazing sweeps, but uh, top pressure is great. 7,300, a name to circle for sure.
0: Minus 385. Fight goes the distance. It's going to be a long night, Jason.
1: It is going to be a long night.
0: Yeah, this is a number I'm going to bring up throughout when we talk about every fight, because, you know, one of the things I always say about when you're building your DFS lineups is look at the betting lines Yeah, and also look at how they flowed from when they started. How did the betting public bet it? You know, did they take, was it particularly start hammering one side or not? It, It, it's a tool that I use every week of figuring out, okay what does the public think about the fights and looking at our ownership projections over at awesomeo.com that Alex puts out there of, okay, where can I find some advantages?
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's the reporter in you because the fighter in me, I don't, I, I don't like odds. You know what I mean? Like, cause I just know how unpredictable the sport is. And unlike anything else, it can change with one shot. We've seen it. Um, if you think about Roosevelt Roberts, when he fought Jim Miller, he slipped on the canvas. He slipped on the canvas and is now in a very inferior position. So, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of odds, but I do take a look at them.
0: Yeah, no, it's something to me that you definitely have to, you have to consider there's no doubt about it. It's something that you definitely have to consider there. Um, you know, Andrea Lee on DraftKings at $19. If she can, st- when you look at the takedown defense points on FanDuel, yeah, that that might be a sneaky Fanduel play. You know, Even like I that. I don't I don't love the play at all. Um, like if you told me if I was going to play aside, I'd probably play Roxanne for the value.
1: Yeah, Roxanne should be the Fanduel chalk over there at nine dollars, just because it allows you to get to the high end options. Um, so anticipate heavy ownership over on Fanduel, but I like what you're saying. Uh, Roxanne's shot to win this is take the floor, you know, you know, take the fight down to the mat. And uh, if you look at it, she somewhat fails miserably at doing so. Um, she has a 21% takedown accuracy, and that is not good. But with a girl with her skills on the mat, it takes one takedown to get the position they need, or get you know get your back and work towards a submission. Um, you know, but I, I do like Andrea Lee over on Fanduel at 19 because of those bonus points.
0: By the way, if you're in the chat, Joey's giving away a. Free weekly MMA pass. So be sure to check out that. As he's popped over a question for you. Also got to mention, uh, be sure you're following Awesomeo on Twitter at Awesomeo underscore com. Right now we have got a giveaway going on over there. Just check out the pin tweet of how you can win an Awesomeo NFL year pass. That's a two hundred and fifty dollar value. Go over right now to our Twitter account to see about that giveaway that we do. Have going on over there. Uh, also, let you about. Uh, do want to let you know about? Of course, if you're looking to play some other sports, dfs say free premium content. We got over at awesomeo.com today. We've got the top showdown and single gameplays for DraftKings and FanDuel for the NFL. Also, NBA player projections and MLB lineup builder. I will tell you once we kind of get done here. I have uh, I'll be start looking at my MLB lines. Got to got to put some uh, lines together here tonight, peep for this one, but let's move on here. We got Ed Herman and Mike Rodriguez, a fight that was put together 10 days ago, basically. Uh, I'll tell you a little story. So I interviewed Mike, like what's say on a Tuesday? And then Wednesday night, I'm sitting at home. It's like, it's like 11 midnight, something like that. Just sitting playing Madden. And I get a text from one of Mike's people goes, Hey, are you planning to release that interview you did yesterday? Anytime soon? I go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why I I'm, I'm gonna put out tomorrow? Like, oh, you might want to put out pretty quick because this new fight's about to be announced. And yeah. so, um, he he got a, a matchup here against Ed Herman, eighty uh, eight hundred for Mike Rodriguez, seventy four hundred for Ed Herman. I really like Mike Mike Rodriguez in this spot. You, you know, you, you look at the reach advantage he has in this fight. I mean, I, I think the only question is, can he be the first guy to stop Ed? Herman? I want to say it's been five years since Ed Herman's been stopped.
1: Yeah. Um... Props to Mike Rodriguez, my buddy. I hope he goes out there and gets it done. Um, I actually do like this fight for him, and I know that I was a little hesitant on like really planting my flag next to Mike's name in the Martin Procneo fight, and it was just because of the the KO ability of Procneo and how he wins and how aggressive he is. Now, this fight I do think is tailor-made for Rodriguez, and the reason is because of his length, um, his skill set, very long southpaw, 82 inch reach has a five inch reach advantage, a three inch height advantage. He's six four. He's the younger guy, 31 versus Ed Herman, who's 39. Now, with those 39 years of age comes a wealth of experience. Ed Herman, 24 and 14. Um, you know, you talk about 23 UFC fights, like that is insane. Uh, you know, I like Mike Rodriguez to stay on the outside and pick him apart because Ed Herman. He has, you know, know, resorted to takedowns to get wins in the past, but the guy likes to strike. I mean, he'll be in there striking with Mike Rodriguez. This is a matchup where Mike should be able to showcase his skills. He has good kicks, whereas Ed Herman really just relies on his hands and his low kicks. Um, You know, in the clinch, we see what Mike can do. If Ed Herman tries to dirty box him, great elbows, great knees. So – as long as Mike can keep this fight up on the feet, say Herman gets rocked and when you're rocked, you resort to anything and trying to get your opponent down to the mat. Um, if Mike keeps it on the feet, I think it's his fight. And I, I think that he's a, you know, a nice pick at 8,800, but Ed Herman's not easy to put away. So I would say just, uh, you know, be careful.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's played Mike Rodriguez or I, 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 I can't really recommend playing Ed Herman. Um, Mike will be a staple in my lineups. He, he just, he'll, you know, the, but the only, only fear I have is that he doesn't get the finish and, and can he land enough significant strikes, maybe get some knockdowns that can add up some points there. Um, you know, I, I think honestly, in you know, Mike's, Mike has been taken down, but he gets up pretty quickly. It's not like you know when he gets taken down, he stays there. Ed Herman, you know, to me, I think if he's going to win, and he hasn't shown this in a really long time, is be able to get the takedowns. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, then we got Bobby Green and Alan Patrick. Bobby Green ninety one hundred on DK. Alan Patrick is is uh, seventy one hundred. The fight goes the distance prop in this one is minus two ten. I I brought this question up to you earlier on the phone. I'll we'll have the discussion here. Yeah. If Bobby Green who hasn't got a stoppage win since twenty thirteen against James Krause, if he does not get the stoppage win, what will it take for him to pay off that DK price point? You know, it's a it's a
1: great question, and they keep pricing Bobby Green in a nine K option and I feel like it's just like you know, they're baiting me into picking them because I do like Bobby green and I, I just like everything about him. I like his boxing, um, underrated takedown defense, just overall good game. But sometimes his problem is he just plays with his food a little bit and he doesn't go out there and put people away when you know, he could, um, the Lando of fights are a great example of that. Clay Guida fight. Great example of that. Um, you know, Bobby green is tough and Bobby green has good boxing, throws at a a good volume of five strikes per minute, which those can definitely add up. His striking defense is pretty nice. He does like a Philly shell boxing. So 63% striking defense. Um, He'll get takedowns if he needs to, but he's a, he's a striker by nature. Uh, Alan Patrick will be looking to take this fight to the ground. I would imagine because when he was standing up with Scott Holtzman, which was some time ago, Jason, you know, you talk about Alan Patrick who is now 37 and, hasn't been active at all and uh, is, is looking to come back into the UFC. He was overextending on a lot of his shots. And Bob, uh, not Bobby Green, uh, Scott Holtzman was landing nice step back right hands and timing it perfectly. So I think Bobby Green's, you know, precision will shine through here.
0: By the way, Samuel in the chat saying, how many trolls have I missed? Sam, you haven't missed any yet. Haven't missed any yet. We haven't thrown any little daggers here, you know? I'm not used to doing a show in the afternoon with, uh, with Pete. Yeah, that's right.
1: You know, um for once, n- no trolling. Um
0: It's good it's good to know you get up this early in the day.
1: <laughs> I have to, bro.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. My day my day started about six o'clock this morning. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a busy day uh here in the uh the home office. I have I have here. not been in my regular office like I think like in two weeks now. Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Outside of yeah, they uh, they had to fix the AC in, in my office um, like two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, and I go back and I get there and I'm I call the AC guy. I go, hey, did you think about locking the door when you got done?
1: Oh man, that's a that's I hate that. I used to have uh, people come into my gym and, and work on stuff, and then like they wouldn't take their shoes off, so my mats were filled with shoe prints. That drove me crazy. Oh.
0: I I can just see how crazy that would (laughs) be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a neat freak when it comes to, when it comes to the gym. Uh,
0: question is how much does that drive your dad crazy?
1: I I make sure I clean it up before a psycho boy (laughs) finds out.
0: I saw his post on Facebook about hoarding this morning. Oh Lord. Your dad looks like he might, you know, kind of collect some things. Oh yeah. (laughs) But, uh, let's move on here. We got Billy Q and Kyle Nelson, Billy Q one of the the highest salary fighters on this card at 9300 uh, take it on Kyle Nelson and uh, if you look at the, the uh, fight goes the distance prop this is probably a fight you should look at uh, potentially targeting plus 155
1: yeah I like this fight um there the 9k options are weird this card in general is very difficult from a DFS aspect um so many things can happen and so many people are just in weird spots. I do like Billy, uh, Billy here at 9300 It's a heavy price tag, but I'm willing to pay it. The guy has shown that he's on such a roll now um, in the UFC's 2-0, took out a guy who I was pretty high on, uh, Spike Carlisle. He's averaging 107 DraftKings points per fight. The thing that sticks out to me is his significant strikes. He throws at 7.4 strikes per minute, um, only absorbs 2.8 strikes per minute. So I really like that ratio. Um, if you watch his fights, he'll hunt takedowns as well. Early on, Billy Q, and we're talking years back now because he's been on such a such a role, he does get put in bad positions, uh, Jason, where he's like in losing positions. He's on the bottom getting grounded, pounded or somebody's taking his back. Um, as long as he can avoid these big shots of Kyle Nelson, I really think it's his fight. I do. I, I don't see Kyle Nelson... Um, Being able to do too much, I think Billy Q takes him down and works towards a submission. I mean, he's just relentless on the mat. So one of my favorite options.
0: The only concern I have with Billy is sometimes he does get off to slow starts.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, but he's kind of like he once he gets going, his volume picks up, his pace picks up. I mean, if you look at his submission attempts, he, he attempts three Submissions per 15 minutes, that is great. I want guys that are hunting KOs, ground and pound uh, TKOs, or trying to get them out of there via submission. Kyle Nelson does hunt submissions as well, 2.8, but his vol—his striking volume, uh, 2.7, throws big, big shots, but his, his UFC career hasn't really gone the best. Uh, Absorbing six strikes per minute. If you just watch film, y- you see that Kyle Nelson swings for the fences, so obviously if something lands... Billy Q could be in, in trouble, but uh, I like Billy Q here at 9,300. I'm 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 anticipating some heavy ownership.
0: Yeah, looking at our ownership projections right now, he is the second highest owned fighter right now on DraftKings. Of course, if you want to get access to those ownership projections, what you want to do is sign up for Osmo awesome Plus MMA weekly pass for eight ninety five. This gives you full access to our fire projections, ownership projections, and the top – fighter's tool. So you got to check out that today. Go to Osmo.com forward slash join to sign up for MMA plus weekly pass there. Uh, up next, uh, I think, uh, I truly feel Tyson Nam is going to be a highly owned fighter this week. Greed. Uh,
1: I think so. Um, I think this is a fight that's sneaky. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved.
0: We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I do. I think that both sides are sneaky. Um, Tyson Nam, we spoke about it on the phone. He's a 7K option that I circled, 7,600 for a guy that does have KO ability and has KO'd people that probably he shouldn't. And, um, you know, coming off that great win over Zaruk Adeshev, who stepped up on short notice. But, uh, you know, the guy head-kicked Ali Bogatinov over in uh, Fight Night's Global 64. That was a big win. And the one thing, the first time I ever heard about Tyson Nam. Was when I was so big on uh, Eduardo Dantes from from Bellator, and uh, he took a local fight to stay active outside of Bellator, right? Mm-hmm. And ended up getting knocked out in round one by who? Tyson Nam. So Tyson Nam packs a heavy punch. Now going up against Matt Schnell, who he's he's good overall. Like the guy has good striking and really really sneaky submission ability. And I think that most of his wins come by submission. You're going up against Tyson Am, who has never been submitted in his in his MMA career, and the guy has a uh, you know 19 and 11 record. So that might be hard to come by. The big thing for concern here is uh, how Matt Schnell can take a shot. Can he really take a shot? We've seen Rob Font stop uh, Rob Font stop him, and then I don't know if you have ever seen this fight, the Hector Sandoval fight, when he's basically Trying to hook a leg to go for a leg lock, and the weirdest little short hammer fists. One stunned them. and then like they didn't even look powerful, Jason. But obviously, you just hit that right spot. They put him out, put them out pretty bad. And then you think about his most recent loss: overhand right knockout to uh, Alexandre Pantoja. So the guy has shown chin issues. I think Tyson Am's a nice, nice value here. Um, I'll have plenty.
0: Yeah, and in terms of I know Schnell's uh, done work the past couple of weeks at, at Fortis. Uh, you know he had been ATT for a while back Louisiana. So uh, yeah, the the chin definitely is a question mark. And look, I've known Tyson Nam for years. Uh, Tyson Nam wants you know he, he wants to engage in, in a kickboxing matchup. That's what Tyson Nam wants to do. Uh, so I, I think the the value, uh, particularly on DraftKings at seventy six hundred. Uh, he's actually seventeen dollars on Fanduel, sixteen dollars for Match Snell. So I like it a little bit more on the DK side of things. Next up, we'll talk about Julia Avila taking on Sajara Eubanks. Uh, Avila one, is the biggest favorite on DraftKings at ninety four hundred. Uh, this is minus one seventy to go the distance. Um, you know the price tag on Julia at ninety four hundred is a little nervous for me. Of do I want to pay that much for her? Where I, you know, with Sajara, you know, the one thing is, is I mean, look, she's got talent, but she wears down as the fight goes on.
1: My goodness, talk about wide odds, and uh, I don't like this fight for either fighter. I know that sounds crazy, but Julia Vila is relatively unproven in the UFC. Um, you know, she has shown that she's an aggressive fighter. But getting a, a quick stoppage win over Gina Mazzani, her last time out in 22 seconds. Okay, that's nice. That was a great performance. Um, a decision win over Pani Kianzad, who has really improved over the years. But um, she's not like a top talent by any means. Sajara Eubanks uh, had so much hype, you know, coming from the Ultimate Fighter. And a lot of people had some uh, some high hopes for her, thinking that she was going to... Do some great things in the division. Um, ultimately, now at 135 pounds, the girl is amazing skill-wise, but really fades as the fight goes on. She struggles with the cardio, and it's just the truth. And I think that's why the you know the odds are favoring Julia Vila because she has a great gas tank. She seems aggressive from bell to bell. She seems like. She can avoid bad positions. Uh, she's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Sajara Eubanks has great takedowns and is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, so hopefully Julia Vila can can you know not get put in some terrible positions. Uh, Sajara will have the sharper hands. She'll have the better boxing as far as technique wise. Um, Julia Vila will be the more aggressive. Will have the higher volume. I just hope that she doesn't run into a shot, and that's always a, you know, potential problems when you have a volume striker going up against a power striker with, with good foundations, good fundamentals. Um has been working a lot with Mark Henry who does wonders as far as, you know, boxing, but you know, I hope Sajara starts to address her cardio because she can really make her mark in this division. If she fixes that.
0: Yeah. A uh, question in the chat from uh, Samuel says, will Avila be, like what Kelleher was last week as a non-top value chalk play. I don't
1: I don't know, man, because okay, so let's think. Avila's not gonna go out there and get rid of Eubanks in one round. I don't see that happening. She's priced up like she needs to. Okay, so that's out of the realm of possibility. Um Eubanks can definitely clip her with a big shot. I think what the you know the pricing is suggesting is that the accumulation of hot of a ton of strikes over 15 minutes or a late finish is possible while Sajara Eubanks is exhausted. Um, you know, when you're exhausted, you're not able, not able to defend yourself like you normally can and normally should be. Uh, when you're tired shots hurt more. Um, if somebody hits you with a body shot that affects your cardio even more. So a late finish for Julia Ville is not out of the realm of possibility. So, I guess i'll have a few lineups with julia Villa, but like it's a tough fight it really is it's not a cupcake matchup for either fighter
0: yeah yeah it's it's a fight that i don't think i'll have many shares in just because uh, of the pricing and i mean look eubanks is a she's a pump play she's an extreme pump play and my fear is that it could be if she even if she gets a win it may be not be the greatest of, of scores. Uh, next up, we got uh, Matt Frivola versus Roosevelt Roberts seven eight hundred for the steamroller. Matt Favola and Roosevelt Roberts is eighty four hundred. The fight goes a distance. Prop on this one is minus two
1: thirty. I think Favola is going to be one of the most popular plays at seventy eight hundred, and it's because of his takedown ability, uh, averaging three takedowns per fifteen minutes. Um, you know, if you look at it on paper, Roosevelt Roberts has lost to Vince Michelle and now Jim Miller. So, recency bias, more people will be favoring Fribola than Roberts. I do like Roosevelt Roberts here at 8,400. And I'll tell you why it's because when Matt Fribola was facing Luis Pena, Luis Pena was having a ton of success. and kind of has a similar build to Roosevelt Roberts, tall and lanky, even though it's an orthodox versus a southpaw fighter. um, you know, Luis Pena was having a ton of success with his hands and was lighting Matt Favola up. Now, Favola is super aggressive. He goes for takedowns. He's tenacious in the first round. Um, he's he's less dangerous as the fight goes on. But if Luis Pena resorted to guillotine attempts rather than trying to get these Camorra traps and these Camorras, uh, I think that he actually could have finished Matt Frivola because Frivola really leaves his neck out there a ton for when he's going for double legs. And if I was fighting for Bola and I'm Roosevelt Roberts, I have a disgusting guillotine choke. I am going to be practicing my takedown defense and my setups for my guillotine because I already know I'm going to hurt for Bola on the feet and make him want to shoot. So I do, I do like Roosevelt Roberts here at 8,400.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. You know, I would probably, you know, the thing with Favola is, I mean, uh, the positive in him is that him and Billy Q are training partners. Um, So, you know, obviously they've both been pushing each other leading up to this one. But, yeah, it's going to be, you know, the only thing, you know, it's just. It may be a fight you have to have the winner in just just because of pricing.
1: I think it is. I think it's one of the fights that I'm circling. I'm circling the the worthy azatar fight that's definitely one i want exposure to um the schnell nam fight might be interesting because they're both gpp guys as far as their finishing ability and then this roberts for fights another one uh
0: obviously a fight that just got put in today romanoff and martinez have have you had any chance? i know obviously we know we know uh, romanoff is definitely in your top eight
1: (laughs) yeah well I can't say I can't say Romanov has made it into my MySpace top eight till he at least fights in the UFC. I mean, this is like his fourth canceled UFC fight or something crazy like that. I've been hyping this guy up for weeks, and if you've been listening to the show, you know, I hope you guys know who Romanov is by now. The guy has his nickname's King Kong. I want to roster King Kong. Um, the guy goes out there, he overpowers his opponents. He's like a bulldozer. He puts them on their back, he ground and pounds them so fast and so like so he's a scary human being. And uh if he can't put you away with ground and pound, he hunts unorthodox submissions similar to Alexi Olenek. Uh a lot of like case of Katami stuff. So um, you know, basically the the, uh, the neck cranks, wrenching on the neck, um working on it he's just a very, very nice pick here. We just don't know his salary, Jason. I don't know what DraftKings is going to give him for a salary. Um, He's facing Martinez, who is a good striker. He has good hands. And I think that if, say, Romanov can't get it to the mat, Martinez does have the hands to make things interesting. But I really, really like Romanov here. 100% finish rate. Martinez has a 75% finish rate. I bet you this fight does not go the distance
0: we got about 15 minutes here left in the show. Do want to let you know about a flash sale we have going over right now at awesomeo.com. Go over to awesomeocom forward slash join to sign up for a NFL weekly pass for $5. All you got to do is enter the promo code Mahomes at checkout. That's a $5 NFL weekly pass. Use the promo code Mahomes to check that out right now as that flash sale is going on right now. Promo code Mahomes. Holmes. Uh, next up, we have got Brock Weaver who is supposed to take on Frank Camacho. However, Frank Camacho is off this fight card due to COVID Jalen Turner is expected to be in this one. I know uh, as the fight started, as the show started, the UFC had not officially announced it, but it should be uh, revealed here very shortly. Of course, Jalen Turner was a guy you loved a lot last week against Thiago Moses. And of course we know that fight did not happen. So uh, I'm not a Brock Weaver guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am interested is to see we were discussing before the show, like if they do not price Jalen Turner above eight thousand, he is gonna be so chalky.
1: Listen, um if you guys are tuning in to the show now, we appreciate it, but there are some things that you know we need the pricing on Romanov and Martinez and we need to see this pricing on Turner. Um if Jalen Turner, like you mentioned, is below eight K i'm I'm putting him in my lineups. and i I don't see that happening. I think he should be a heavy favorite here. We spoke of it. Uh, Brock Weaver has struggled in the UFC, and we're not even sure if he really should be in the UFC. he's he's okay. Um he brings pressure. I think that's what I could say pressure and he's tough. Um, but I think that a guy of of Jalen Turner can go out there and put him away. Jalen Turner has a hundred percent finish rate. So in nine victories, he has nine finishes, whereas Brock Weaver has only 33% finishes out of his 15 wins. He's just going to win fights you know, via the judges. He's going to go out there and press people against the cage, uh, throw good combinations. The guy's skilled as far as boxing, but Jalen Turner is going to be huge in this matchup. He's going to have a three-inch height advantage, four-inch reach advantage. He's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. A lot of people don't realize that, and that's kind of why I liked him last week against Thiago Moises because he could defend takedowns and you know, possibly get out of danger and punish people on the feet with hard ground and pound as well if it, if it goes to the mat. So I'm waiting the salary of Turner, but he's a guy that I've circled and I really want my exposure to.
0: Yeah, uh, Pierce says uh, sucks Frank had to pull out. Weaver was going, was, was going to be a great punt.
1: You know what's crazy is that fight was such a headache for me because where's Frank Camacho at? Where's Brock Weaver at? Brock Weaver's now training in, you know down in America Top Team. I don't know if he's there full-time, but he's been there. He is. He's yeah, he's there full-time. He's there full-time now? Okay. So that that camp really just fixes a lot of problems and puts you in great spots, and you have some of the best training partners in the world. That fight, I'm happy, is not happening. I hope Frank Camacho is okay, but... Jalen Turner should go out there and uh and beat Brock Weaver pretty easily.
0: Yeah, once the price is put on Jalen Turner, that's gonna yeah. that will help me decide how much of, of shares I'm gonna go have Jalen Turner. But yeah, if he's under if he's under eight K, oh, I am gonna have a crap ton of shares with Jalen Turner. Uh next up we have Brian Barbarino versus Anthony Ivey. Brian Barbarina, nine thousand seventy two hundred. For Anthony Ivey, of course, did not go well for Anthony Ivey in his debut in the UFC against uh Aguilera. Barbarina coming off back surgery. Um, so that's gotta be a little bit of a question mark. Um in terms of what we've seen with Brian Barbarina, I mean look, this guy's a wild man in the cage. I mean, that's about the best way to put it. Um, you know, I don't love a lot of the nine thousand options, but if I'm gonna play one nine thousand option, I think Barbarina would be my top choice.
1: You know, I I would have to agree with you. It's just uh... The back surgery coming off of back surgery that's really making me even question things now it's not making me want to go into Anthony Ivy direction because Anthony Ivey in his debut fight against Christian Aguilera he really shelled up and almost kind of looked like he just didn't want to be there and that's that's what I'm talking about when I say that the moment seems to get the best of so you yeah, yes Christian Aguilera hit him with some good shots but You can see it when a moment really is too much for somebody. And I hope Anthony Ivey makes some adjustments because the guy's skilled. Regionally, he's captured some great titles and has a good style. Um, You know, takes people down, works for submissions or heavy ground and pound. So the guy is talented when it comes to grappling. Now, Barbarena has fought some legitimate people. And I think this should be, you know – a very easy Barbarina victory. The only reason I'm really debating this is because of the back surgery. How limited is he? How is his camp? How recovered is he? I mean, Barbarina fought Chad Lepree, Sage Norica, uh, Worley Alves, Colby Covington, uh, Leon Edwards, Jake Ellenberg, Vicente Luque, Randy Brown. If you remember the Vicente Luque fight, he was putting a whooping on Vicente Luque for quite some time. And then a late finish, a late turnaround, Vicente Luque came from behind and knocked him out. Um, You know, the risk with Brian Barberena is his takedown defense. 47% can get controlled on the mat, but I feel like even a limited or a Brian Barberena of of late can still get this victory over Anthony Ivey.
0: Yeah, to me, uh, I'll have a a decent amount of shares of of Brian Barberena. Then our our first fight, what we expect to be the first fight of the night, Sabina Mazzo and Justine Kish. Mazzo, 9,200. Kish, 7,000. Fight goes the distance prop, Pete, minus 300. Gosh,
1: man. I wish I didn't have to break this fight down, but I do. Um, you know, Mazzo against Kish. Mazo should win the fight, in my opinion. I, I think that Mazo has the better striking. Kish is the most erratic fighter I've ever seen. She's, she dances. It's it's weird footwork, but it works for her. She's three and two in the UFC. Um, Sabina Mazo is two and one in the UFC, you know, her volume's pretty nice. Uh, you know, Mazo comes in with a 6.4 strikes per minute. And a lot of that comes in the clinch. She really dominates opponents in the clinch. Um, you saw it in her previous fight. Uh, when she gets her opponents in the clinch, she throws tons of knees. So if I'm Mazo's coach, I'm saying, look it, we've seen you put uh, Shauna Dobson in, in some terrible positions um, in the clinch. And we've seen you in your previous fight go out there and really control even JJ Aldrich in the clinch. And I think JJ Aldrich is pretty good. And JJ Aldrich, in my opinion, is a lot better than Justine Kish. And she just went out there and won a split decision. It was a close fight. But I think only, it only takes one knee to slip in and really hit you in the solar plexus or the liver or even graze your chin. And the uh, next thing you know, you're walking away with a TKO win. So, Justine Kish really isn't even on my radar. If she wins, I don't think that she really does anything too special. Sabina Mazzo has landed several takedowns in her fights as well. So the girl's not – she's not one-dimensional. I I like her quite a bit despite the 9,200 price tag.
0: Uh, Let's go uh, down our picks before we get into some questions before we wrap up here on the strategy show. By the way, these are are straight-up picks. These are not related to DFS salaries at all. Give me Angela Hill. Uh, I'm going to go comma-worthy, but I'm probably, you know, got some comma-worthy blinders on a little bit there. I, I mentioned about Azatar could could easily win this fight in the first round. Give me Andrea Lee, Mike Rodriguez, uh, Bobby Green, Billy Quarantillo, Tyson Nam, Julia Velia. Give me Roosevelt Roberts. Don't feel good about that one. Uh, give me Alexander Romanoff, Jalen Turner, Brian Barbarina, and Sabina Mazo. Interesting.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to, you know, make some bold claims here on these straight-up picks. I'm going Waterson, uh, Azatar, Roxanne Motiferi, um Rodriguez, Quarantillo, Nam, Avila, Roosevelt Roberts, Bobby Green, Romanoff times 10, uh, Jalen Turner, Barbarina, and uh, Sabina Mazzo.
0: Boy, if Romanov does win, I might need to check up on you on Saturday.
1: Hey, I know. Well, I mean, if – He doesn't win. I'm going to use the excuse that the guy's been scheduled for five different fights and has probably had to cut weight or whatever. But uh, Romanov, man, the guy's good. The guy's good.
0: Uh, Let's get some questions in here. Some of these questions have come out throughout the show. Uh, Top three fights to target. Give me Azatar Worthy. Give me Watterson Hill. Herman Rodriguez.
1: Are you talking cash for, for Waterson Hill? Or are you talking GPP?
0: Uh, I would say both.
1: The price. Uh, yeah. The price. Because right. it,
0: it, it comes down to price point too.
1: Well, okay. But if Waterson wins a five round decision, I really don't think that she pays off.
0: That that's definitely the tough part of that. Yeah. But what if yeah. she gets to fight the ground ground submits her?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'll definitely say that's, that wouldn't be in my top three. It's in my top five. I would say Worthy-Azatar is probably the number one fight I'll be targeting. Um, Romanov-Martinez fight. Um, And then what's the other one I said? Roberts for Bola, I think, is a sneaky one.
0: Uh, Cash Cornerstones for FanDuel. Ugh, goodness. So, looking at what we know of FanDuel right now my cornerstones go too, jason you know yeah my cornerstones would probably be rodri uh mike rodriguez tyson nam if i was gonna add a third trying to find you some value here um I, I I don't know if I'd put him in the core, but common worthy at $15 sticks out to me.
1: Yeah. I would say over on FanDuel, common worthy. Um, I'd probably get to Billy Q and then Bobby Green, because I think that uh, Alon Patrick will be looking to take him to the mat. You're talking about the bonus points of defended takedowns. And I, I think Bobby Green could, could work towards a TKO.
0: Another FanDuel question we got. Favorite punt
1: play on FanDuel?
0: Is it Roxanne Montefiore? Yep,
1: yeah, it is. It is for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's something I think you gotta consider with. Uh upset of the night. Let me just look at the current betting line. So upset of the night. You know I mean Roxanne would definitely be if you know, she can pull it off.
1: Um I think Ivy is another one if he goes. Yeah, you to the ground. Yeah, if he gets it to the ground and say Barbara is hampered.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely something uh to consider there. Uh top two favorites and top two dogs. My top two favorites would be Mike Rodriguez and Bobby Green. I just don't know if Bobby Green gets enough in terms of, of DFS. My top two underdogs let me see. Is Tyson Am still an underdog? Yes, he is. He well actually no. He's he's a favorite now at this point. He's minus one fifteen. He was plus he was plus one thirty five when that, that line opened. So yeah, know. somebody hammered that. Um
1: top
0: two underdogs.
1: Underdogs are tough. I would say Azatars is for me.
0: Yeah, plus one fifteen, yeah. Um not too much else that sticks out to me
1: no I mean you have a lot of pick-em fights and then you have a lot of wide wide uh, betting odds
0: Um uh, I'll get some other questions in here before we uh, get out of here on this edition uh, uh, who's your favorite oh this was the favorite punt play someone mentioned uh, Eubanks Montefiore Ivy Herman or Kish out of those five It'd be Montefiore. Um, who's going to take down City?
1: I might say. I might say in that group you mentioned, Anthony Ivy would be interesting. He'd be interesting. He's the most interesting. Um, who's going to take down City? I think Romanov's taking his opponent to take down City. Uh, you know, Martinez's path to victory is keeping it on feet. He's going to you know look to keep it at boxing range. He has good heavy hands. But he's a plotting striker, and uh, Romanov can't strike. He actually has some pretty deceptive striking, but overpowers people, puts them on their back. So rinse and repeat, Romanov all day.
0: I'd say we, we've talked about making some shirts. Takedown City's got to be one. You know what the other one's got to be? What's that? Throw them bungalows. Yeah,
1: everybody likes that, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and as Rick says, he goes, you know common warrior likes to throw them bungalows. It's true. <laughs> you helped a lot of people out with
1: that common <laughs> call that day.
0: Yeah, he's done well for us. Uh, Hunter, I uh, want you to talk a little bit about Martinez.
1: Uh, Yeah, so exactly. I was just kind of mentioning it. Uh, Martinez does have a 75% uh, finish rate out of 15 victories. Um, from the footage that I've looked at, and uh, granted this fight has only been announced for like a day and a half now, um, I'm going to look even further into it. He likes to strike good hands. Um. Seems okay, but I feel like he might be somewhat undersized in this heavyweight division. Uh, probably not in the best of shape as far as cardio, and I think Romanov can honestly overpower him and have his way.
0: Uh, Joe says, is it a good idea to stay away from the female fights? If not, is Hill-Waterston the only option to play? Uh, well, uh, the main event
1: is something I'm circling. I mean, wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, the other other uh, female fights on the card don't. Like, look, Montefiore would be would be a punt play for me. Yeah. Um, I probably have more interest in Andrea Lee on Fanduel than I would DraftKings. Uh, Avila Eubanks, I'm really I don't like that. You know, I don't like the price points on, on Julia in that fight. Um, and then I I have very little interest in Mazzo in, in Justin quiche in terms of DFS.
1: I mean, as far as the GPP. Roxanne's interesting because of her salary and her path to victory, but she doesn't have the best finishing or finishing rate 38% out of 24 victories. Um, whereas Mazo has a nice matchup, but same thing 25% finish rate, but she can make up with that with her volume. And, um, I think that she's uh, she's one to circle.
0: Uh, Final question, uh, Pierce says, a little off topic. What do you guys think about Chimenev getting booked for two fights? Of course, going to fight Gerald Murchard next week, and then uh, after that, they're going to book him to take on Damian Maya. You know what I got to say about that, Pete?
1: Don't tempt the MMA gods.
0: Exactly, baby. Do not tempt the MMA gods because all of a sudden, you know, look, it's, it's, he's, he's got a notable step up in competition, Gerald Merchardt next week. And then they want to put Damian Maya. I just, when you start publicly talking about the two fights, you're going to book this guy for next man. You are tempting the MMA gods.
1: Yeah. That should have been kept behind closed doors. And uh, you know, the Joanne Calderwood taking a fight just to take a fight, you know, I know I mean, you know, things could backfire for the UFC's plans, but um, if I am Gerald Merchardt, I'm completely disrespected and uh, I can't wait to go out and put on a performance.
0: By the way, uh, this week's card starts at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. So I believe Live Before Lock is going to be, I want to say it's either 3.30 or 4 o'clock. If you follow us on social media, we'll let you know. But just to let you know, earlier fight card this week, main card starts at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So that is going to do it for this edition of the MMA Strategy Show. Of course, be sure to always check out the show every Thursday and Saturday. We'll let you know what day in the week we will be on next week. We're trying to, to figure out exactly what's going to work for both uh, Pete and I's schedules. So that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Strategy Show right here on awesomeo.com.